Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. I want to start today with, um, with the opening line of one of the best-selling nonfiction books in history. Um, we know the Bible out has sold out everything. But how many of you ever heard of the book Purpose Driven Life? Okay. Um, it was on, came out in the early 2000s. It was on the New York bestsellers list for 90 weeks in a row. Um, they have, to date, they have sold over 50,000 copies. The very first line is, it's not about you. Luke chapter 17.33 says this, Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Most of us are familiar with that translation. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, And all who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. I like how it phrases that when it says, when we remove our obsession from being secure and we begin to pursue and surrender our lives to God, pursue his purposes and his suggestions, it says we will discover true life. How many of you ever discovered something? I remember uh, when we were missionaries in Mexico, I remember uh, being told by someone local that if I would go far enough down this particular dirt road, that there was a waterfall. And so we made plans. My, my oldest son, who's 18, he was a baby at the time, like literally just an infant. And we made plans to go out there, and I, I went out, didn't, I don't remember, it took hours to get out there. I didn't realize it, but I got like oh, 500 yards from there. We, we drove on this dirt road, crossed two rivers without bridges, and then hiked, and I got to this spot. I stopped. I didn't realize I was 500 yards away. The next time I went back out there, um, I had to just turn around, go through this section. You went across like a cliff where you had to hold onto a rope and, and move along like that. And then you got to this spot where you went through these, these rocks that were like leaned against each other. You came through. And then there was like a 200-foot waterfall that came out there. And it was epic. But that feeling of you don't know what's coming. And then suddenly you, you, you come through and it's just like, wow. It's discovery. It's that sense of, oh, wow. Like that is, that's what I think of. When I, when I read this verse, it says, All who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. I want to talk today about what it looks like to live a life that is, is dedicated to pursuing what God has called you to do and to helping others. Proverbs 12.21 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life. Righteousness and honor. 
It's interesting that, you know, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness, does any, to, to anybody else, does kindness just seem like a really passive word? Oh, he's so kind. Like, if you read this verse, it's literally saying, one of the secrets to life, to discovering true life, to, to, when it comes to your life, actually having one of those moments where you, you're, you're coming through, you're exploring, figuring things out, and then, wow, has to do with pursuing kindness. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There is a way to live where we will discover true life. Apparently, there's a Chinese proverb that says this. If you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. See, God wasn't telling us something that isn't true. One of the things we have to recognize is when God gives a principle, it works for us and it works for the world. Given you shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it works. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. That works. Proverbs 11.25. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. It's, it's counterintuitive to think that by giving, I get. It, it seems counterintuitive to think that by focusing on helping someone else benefit in life, my life will be most benefited. But this is the creator of us saying that's how it works. How many of you like video games? How many of you have ever used a cheat? Okay, almost the same number of hands went up. In fact, they, the people were more, yeah. So if you're not a video game person, a cheat is, is something you can do that will like give you a special benefit. And so you might be playing a video game and then the designers of the game put something in there. And, and I don't have them in my notes. I actually looked them up one time. There was like, you know, left, left, right, right, up, down, down, up, down, up, right, left, right, left, up. And then you had infinite lives. Oh, you play Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> <laughs> so like, there are, it, it doesn't make sense. It's like, hey, if you just do this one thing that really has no logical reason to be done, then you will receive a certain benefit. Why? Because the creators designed it that way. Because the game was designed to do that. 
God is giving us a life hack. He says, this might not make sense, but when you pursue kindness, you will discover true life. When you give, you will receive. It doesn't make sense. We, we so much, we can see people around us pursuing money, pursuing fame, pursuing goods, thinking, man, if I can just get enough of this stuff. In order to recognize that money and fame do not equal happiness, all you need to do is go to the checkout at Meyer. Because at the checkout, you will be surrounded by all of these magazine covers showing you the lives of people who got lots of money and lots of fame and how royally they're messing them up. Because the thing that we think... See, these are people who were obsessed... And as that first verse that we read in in the Passion Translation that said, those that were obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all. But we can do other. Time Magazine, this is is secular world. They (laughs) published this. They said this, scientific research provides compelling data to support the anecdotal evidence that giving is a powerful pathway to personal growth and lasting happiness. Through fMRI technology, we know that the giving activates the same parts of the brain that are stimulated by food and sex. Experiments show evidence that altruism is hardwired in the brain. It is pleasurable. Helping others may just be the secret to living a life that is not only happier, but also healthier, wealthier, more productive, and meaningful. That was Time Magazine. But they didn't figure that out. They weren't the first to discover that. That's what God was saying thousands of years earlier through Solomon when he said, a life hack. Give and it shall be given. Focus on that. Exodus 20 verse 3 says, you shall have no other gods before me. Luke chapter 12 and 29 says, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan runs after all such things, and your father knows you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you as well. How many of you guys have ever traveled on an airplane? If you've done that, you remember that the announcer gets up And says, in the event of a loss of cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will fall. And then they tell you, you know, place it on your face, give the cord a light tug, and then the oxygen will flow. But how many of you remember the part about kids? Where it says, if you are traveling with children, first put on your mask and then put on theirs. Remember that? How many parents, like, want to do that? Like, just, just picture, like, no, I, I don't, I would die for my kid. I want my kid to have the mask. 
And why do they have to tell you that? Because it's counterintuitive. Because they know from experience, most parents will try to put their kid's mask on first and then take care of themselves. But if they do that, what happens? You just picture you're, you're, you've got a parent and they're traveling with, let's say, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And so, boom, cabin pressure's gone. There's no longer enough oxygen in the air uh, to, to breathe, but this, they, those pop down, so the parent goes in and puts the two-year-old's mask on first. And it takes a while. They finally figure it out. They get that going. They haven't been able to breathe any oxygen for at least 30 seconds while they tried to get that done. Then they move on to the, the, the four-year-old, whatever the age was, the said the other one had. But they go to put the, the mask on the next one. Meanwhile, the two-year-old, what does he do? He pulls the mask off his face. So then you get the four-year-old on, and then you turn around and you try to get the two-year-old. All the while, the parent still hasn't had sufficient oxygen at all. And while they're struggling back and forth to try to get that, the parent becomes lightheaded and just passes out. The parent doesn't make it, and neither does the two-year-old who keeps pulling it off. And you end up with a mess. But if the parent gets their mask on, then they can resituate those two and four-year-olds the whole rest of the trip if they need to. But they had to, they had to act counterintuitively. God says, this is what you do. Prioritize serving others. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, the greatest among you is the servant. He said, in the world, the world's leaders try to be served. But the greatest in my kingdom serves others. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. I did want to read one quote before I got to that verse, and that was Jim Elliott. Um, have any of you ever heard of the story, The Through the Gates of Splendor? Jim Elliott was a missionary. They set as a goal to reach a certain tribe of people in the Amazon. This tribe was known for being, like, violent. Violent. They would, they would kill and cannibalize the various tribes that lived around. They were back there, the, the oil companies that were traveling through the Amazon trying to find oil. Many of their groups had been just wiped out when they would get too close to this tribe. And they, they felt a call to lead, to go out and reach these people. And they um, developed a system, an elaborate system from their plane of being able to drop down food and and trinkets and things to the, to the people and they got in communication and they managed to land their plane on a little uh, island on the river and they met for the first time they made contact with this, this tribe they have it on video um, and then the next day um, folks from the tribe came, killed them all um, his wife uh met a woman who was expelled from that tribe. 
So she spoke the language. She was kicked out. And they began a relationship there. She learned about their tribe. She went back with their kids. Ended up reaching them for the gospel because of what had happened. When the tribe learned that the very people who they had killed were coming back trying to help them. Um, that opened the door and they were able to get in there. But this is what Jim Elliott said before he died. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Very famous. Um, because he eventually gave his life, but he gained so much more. I had the privilege of meeting some of the men from that tribe uh, when uh, I was in Oklahoma in the 90s. Um, literally got to meet one of the men who was a part of the raiding party that took their, the lives of those missionaries. He has given his life to Christ um, and been totally turned around. But the, the, the point we want to make is oftentimes when we give, we receive more than we could have possibly benefited by not giving. First Peter 4.10, I just read, says that we are to um, be good stewards of the gifts that God gives us. Now, I want to read in 1 Corinthians a list of those gifts. It says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Okay. Second of all, prophets. Third, teachers. Then, miracles. Then, gifts of healing. Then of helping, of guidance, and of different types of tongues. Now, when we, when we talk about gifts and God giving gifts to us, we often think about the big name gifts, apostles. Ooh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm gifted to be an apostle. Maybe I'm gifted to be a, a prophet. Oh, wouldn't that be exciting? But did you notice that right in that list, it said of helping? Some people in the church have, have come to call this the ministry of helps. Plural. God has gifted us to help others. That is literally a spiritual gift that God gives us. It is not lesser. It goes right in with prophet, apostle, teacher, helper. One who assists others of guidance. I want to read an interesting passage, and I've, I've shared from this passage before, but Acts chapter 6 Verse 2, so the 12, the 12 it's talking about are the 12 apostles. We're talking about the 12 disciples. It says, the 12 all gathered together and they said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men among, from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them for 
and they will give our attention, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. They also chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and lays hands on them. Now, that list of guys were chosen to do what? Anyone remember what it was that they had we were going to do? Wait tables. Those guys were chosen to wait tables. It says that the apostles prayed for them, laid hands on them, because they were going to take on the exceptionally spiritual role of waiting tables. Now, in the way that you and I think, we get the first part of this. Okay, yeah, you know, the apostles, we can't have the apostles doing these little things. There can't be the waiting the tables. Let's, let's, let's put someone else in there to wait tables. This sounds good. But did you notice, like, who they chose? It wasn't like, well, who had the longest reach so that they could reach around and, you know, clear tables the easiest? It says, find us people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit so that they could wait tables. Well, they waited tables. They were prayed for. Now, this is the part where I think this story gets fun. That list of names, not all of those names end up appearing again in the Bible. To my knowledge, I don't think we hear about uh, Prochorus again. But we do hear about Philip, and we do hear um, about Stephen. Now let's look at what the Bible says the next time their name is mentioned. In verse 8, so only a few verses later, it says, now Stephen. What was Stephen doing the last time we heard about him? He was waiting tables. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. That's verse 8. And then it says in verse 10, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or by the spirit by whom he spoke. Still talking about Stephen. The guy who was waiting tables. The next name that pops up is Philip. We were in Acts 8. We move forward to Acts, or sorry, we were in Acts 6. We're going to move forward to Acts 8. And then we hear Philip's name. (coughs) It says in verse 5. Excuse me, could you grab me water? Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did. This is the same guy who, two chapters ago, was waiting tables. says, and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. Philip, the table waiter, was casting out demons, healing cripples. And then, in verse 38, Philip, it says... 
he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. He had been riding along, witnessing to someone from Ethiopia, and Philip baptized him, and when he came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip was translated. You say, what does that mean? Think Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) Philip was here, then God took him and put him over here. I can't make the sound that they they make on Star Trek, so I just went for a little, a different sound. This is Philip, who the Bible says began his ministry waiting tables. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. The one who faithfully manages the little he has been given will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibility. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. As a pastor, I have had many people come and say to me, you know, what do I do to to fulfill the massive call that I have on my life? And I never doubt them when they say that there's a massive call on their life. But I cannot tell you how many times someone has come and I say, well, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Well, why don't you start with, but that's not what I'm called to do. I'm supposed to do this great thing. See, Jesus established a principle here. He says, he who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. God will not promote us to the miraculous signs and wonders if we're still refusing to wait tables. And then the other thing that I want to point out, and I don't, my my only concern with, with sharing this story this way is I don't want the serving and the waiting of tables to become like this stepping stone. It only has value in getting me to that other place. That's not true. You have to realize, the apostles were the ones that were waiting tables before Stephen and them, and they had been doing it after spending years with Jesus, after having cast out demons, after all of those things. Realize, the apostles were still doing that type of service even after all of that. The Bible listed the ministry of helps right along with miracles and healings and teaching You and I have been called to be kind. Life hack, being kind on purpose, makes you a happier human being. God says you will discover true life. Time Magazine says, according to the fMRI, you will stimulate the exact same portions of your brain as you do with food and sex. God designed us. He literally put it in us. Now, I want to share something interesting. We're we're coming out of the COVID pandemic. 
prior to March of 2020, most churches, you know, were humming along with attendance, you know, at their wherever it had been. Everything closed down. Nobody was going to church in person. And then, you know, depending on the churches, after a few weeks, after a few months, some churches after over a year, but they reopened their doors. And people started coming back. I, I, spoke, to, I spoke to one pastor who, who said it this way. He said, at their church, he said, our giving is about the same as it was. He said, our attendance is about 70% of what it was overall. He said, but our children are back about 95 to 100%. In other words, families with eight-year-olds, they're not staying home. He said, they're back. And then he said, but our volunteers are 30% back. Here is something that, that has happened. There is... In, in that reset of people's routine, and that's what it did, is it was a reset in people's routine. And some people haven't come back together, getting together. We welcome you to come. If you're, if you're concerned, stay online. But you can come. We're here every Sunday. You're welcome. But our routines have changed. I talked to pastors during the pandemic, I remember particularly one, I won't tell you his name, but I was talking to one particular pastor, and he said, you know, he said, I'm really loving this new routine. You know, he could preach on Friday afternoon at 3, and it would be ready, and they would send it out on Sunday morning. He's like, it's going to be hard to get back into the same routine as before. But... We got out of a routine. We came back in. One of the things that still every pastor I talk to has not come back is, is people have shown up but haven't gotten back in the routine of serving. And we say, oh, that's too bad for the church because now the church doesn't have someone to, to run in the nursery, doesn't have someone to pass the buckets, doesn't have something. Here's the thing. Do you know who it's hurting the most? We, the church... Yeah, it's more challenging to function without people serving. But whose lives are most impacted by the lack of serving? According to the Bible here, it is more blessed to give than receive. According to what Jesus said, when we, when we live our lives, when we create a routine of serving others, that is when and where and how we will discover True life. You were designed for that. I want to encourage you. How can you bring back serving others into your routine? It was, it was interesting to me that I would keep hearing stories about people after the giant break of, you know, eight weeks. They'd come back and they say, you know, it's just... I'm, I'm burnt out. I'd be like, you just had eight weeks of nothing. I don't think burnt out is right. No, they were, they were experiencing something genuinely challenging. In their life. That's not, I'm not questioning that. But I don't think burnout was the right word. What it is, 
is we had broken routine. And when, when it came time to switch into a different rhythm, it was like, you know, have you, have you ever been, um, you know, on a bicycle for a really long time? Or better yet, on skates. Have you ever just been skating and then you take your skates off at the end of the night and you're like, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're trying to walk this way. You're like, wait a minute. Or snow skiers. You know, you spend a whole day with your ankles locked in place and then you take your feet out of the, the snow boots and, and you just feel, why? Because you got into, it's not that walking normally is like somehow bad. It's just you got in a different routine and you need to make that adjustment and it feels weird to, to change. And I want to just say, it's possible to burn out. I'm not, I am not encouraging people to burn themselves out. But God says that he has designed us to be giving, to be serving. There is a balance there where you can bring that back into your routine. Find ways to serve. The key to serving I'm going to read Matthew 6.31. It says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <coughs> Excuse me. I got the water, I just didn't drink it. All right. There's an illustration in that too. Okay. It's about prioritizing, putting God first. And then the key to serving is realizing who we serve. Ephesians 6, 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Can I tell you what is frustrating? It is frustrating to serve someone and then not be appreciated for it. It's frustrating to give to someone and then have them double-cross you. Someone not value it. Someone take it for granted. A lot of people have, been, have, have quit. They've said, well, you know what? I did that once. And then they didn't appreciate it. They took advantage of it. Yes, that will happen. I, I don't remember word for word the quote, but I believe Mother Teresa was, was famous for a quote where she said, people will, you will give to them and they'll They'll trample it. Give anyway. If you love people, some of them will reject it. Love them anyway. Why? Because the Bible says, serve as if you were serving the Lord. Amen. We recognize. Jesus says that when we visit those that are in prison, he sees it as though we visited him. When we serve people, he sees that as though we served 
them. When we recognize our service, yeah, it benefits the kids in the nursery. That, that child is benefited. But really the person that I'm serving is the Lord. When, when I recognize who I'm serving, Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. When I give somebody a ride, when I help out someone that was hitchhiking or somebody who, who needed, when I help someone else, it's not, it's not that person who I ultimately served. I served the Lord. There are times when, when I see the benefit. Yeah, I'm so glad I did that because they, they thanked me and they told me how much it meant to them and they told me how much it appreciated and, and they explained to me you know, where they were going and why they needed to get there and how I was able to help them. Other times, oh, now my car stinks. Now, you know, I, I'm not sure I really helped them you know, it turns out where they wanted me to drop them off might have not been the best place for them to be in the first place. You know, I look at it, and in the natural, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Did this really make a difference? I don't have to worry about that. If I follow the, the, the Holy Spirit's leading, I'm, I'm just serving the Lord. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. I just want to encourage, I, for the second service, I'm going to try to find a picture of that waterfall I was telling you about because I, I want you guys to imagine what it's like to be coming through, exploring through life, and then coming through, and then you get to look up and you just see this amazing thing. You discover what you were looking for. God says that is what, that's, that's, that's the result of pursuing kindness and serving others. If we are obsessed with fulfilling our own life, with, with, with fulfilling our calendar, with accomplishing our things, that we're, we're not going to get that feeling. Finding another, making another dollar doesn't make you feel that way. Spending another $10, $100, $1,000 $1, doesn't bring true life. But if you have ever given to someone else and then seen the impact continue? You know what I'm talking about. Man, I just want to encourage you guys. We are blessed. We do have a lot of volunteers here. But I want to encourage you to go beyond. There, there are some people who, who used to volunteer who haven't stepped back into that routine. I want you to pray about it, consider it. You don't have to be involved here in the church. There's so many other places that you can be involved. But we have a lot of opportunities. I wanted to introduce you. We have a new lead usher, Christian. He's, he's recruiting, looking for more 
Looking for more ushers? We need, we need more ushers. We've been doing things um, this way. He's got, he's got the applications right there. At the, at the information desk, we have a bunch of applications. If you don't know what you want to do, but you just know you want to get involved, go ahead. Fill one out. We'll, we'll have people that are looking to, to fill positions. We'll have them contact you. You can just say, I don't know what I want to do. I just want to get involved. Put that right on there. Um, you say, you know what? I like working with kids, or I like working with music, or I'd like to do this or that. We have a lot of different things that we'd love to see you guys do. But man, I just, I want to encourage you. I double dog dare you to be intentional, to serve, to do for others. The Bible says that he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him. It's God that we are being blessed by. We're not obligated to serve God or serve others. We are privileged to serve the Lord. And you know, if we don't get a thank you from the kids that we're helping, if we don't get a thank you from the, the, the community, from the, the people that we're reaching out to, that's okay. Because that's not what we did it for, right? We know that, that God will make, it makes a difference in the kingdom. Um, I do want to make mention that this coming Saturday, um, we have, uh, we call it our young adults group. Um, that um, we were talking about our other pastors. So Adrian and I think Sarah described them as our youth pastors. We actually have uh, Danielle, who is our worship pastor, and Adrian, who is our youth pastor, who work together um, at you know, all of that stuff, plus more. So one of the fun things about a church like this is every pastor gets to wear a lot of different hats. Um, but... Um, they are going to be sharing doing a service on Saturday at 6 o'clock. Right here? Right here. So um, I encourage you guys, if you guys are young adults, you know, newlyweds or, or college age or co- college and career age, whatever, um, you know, go. I remember when I was in Cuba, <clears throat> they said, jovenes. Now, if you translate the word jovenes into English, it would be youth. And I asked the pastor, I said, who are the youth? He said, anybody who's not married yet. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, you know, I was young. I was, like, 19. And so, you know, and I'm like, that guy? And I like pointed at, like, a 35-year-old saying, yeah, they're a youth. <clears throat> I said, all right. So um, come join us on Saturday. Um, let me just close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us, that you have created us for a purpose. We thank you that you have not made uh, that purpose a mystery. You have made it clear that when we live our lives uh, to fulfill your purposes, when we live our lives to be a blessing and kind to others, that you have wired us to, to reap the benefits of joy and true life. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you're here and you know that you're forgiven, that you're on your way to, to heaven, that your life is right with God, I want you to raise your hand. Woo! Yeah, I had some people raising their hands before I even got to it. They knew where I was going. If you don't know that, I mean, you may want to know that, but you don't know it. The Bible says, know that you have salvation. It doesn't say wait and find out when you die. Romans 10, 9, and 10 explains it this way. It says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Well, saved from what? 
Saved from the sin that separates us from God. Forgiveness. It's all we need. And he offers it for free. He just says you need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So if you want to do that today, I want to, I want, I want to invite you to, with every eye closed just for a moment, if that's you, I want to invite you, raise your hand, and we will pray that prayer together. If you're watching online and this is you, we'll just, we'll just say that prayer together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raised from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I accept that forgiveness and I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that's you um, online, let us know. Send us a, a message, put a comment. Uh, in the comments there, however you'd like to do it, we would like to get back to you. We have a, a digital gift we want to give you. And uh, go ahead.